Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast. This is episode 70 in this podcast episode. I talked to Josh Kachadorian, and we are reclaiming the standard for masculinity. Here at A New Kind of Man, we are growing stronger and more capable men. If you have been on this journey for a while, I just want to say thanks for hanging in there with us. And if you're brand new to this journey, I want to say welcome. We believe that every man can be a good man, and we're here to help men on their journey to become new men. You, the listener, are the heroes. As you apply what is talked about in these podcasts and the content that these great guests come up with, the more you apply those, the more you become heroic and the more that you learn how to serve. Serve within your marriage, serve within your home, serve within your family, serve within your community. We're trying to change the world one man at a time. On the New Kind of Man podcast, I have interviewed Navy SEAL CEOs, coaches like Josh, experts in leadership, authors, and regular guys just like you and I. But not just regular guys who are just uh, guys just kind of limping along through life. I want regular types of guys like you and I who are doing extraordinary things. I believe that these stories are inspiring, so I want to bring those stories out and talk about them and also talk about the process that they went through and also who they have become on the other side. Many of the guests are still connected and they listen to the show because they believe in this mission. In this podcast episode, I talk at length about Josh's book called The Standard, and he refers to Jesus as being the standard for masculinity, which is why I've entitled this Reclaiming the Standard for Masculinity. See what I did there? And in this podcast, uh, you're going to see that it's it's very much a faith-based podcast, and the conversation was awesome. But before I get into that, I want to also just kind of let you know what's going on behind the scenes. I've alluded to this a couple different times, but I, I want to just kind of put everything out there for you so to clear up any confusion. Here shortly, this podcast will be hitting the pause button, and I will be resuming the podcast on the Men of Iron podcast page. I have joined that team. I have officially done so. I love what they're doing. Their mission fits my mission. As much as I am a visionary, they have the integration thing down. They uh, they, they have all of the, the background stuff taken care of, so it was a no-brainer for me to partner with them. So again, I will putting, be putting the pause, maybe the stop, on this particular podcast, and I will be going full-time in supporting the Men of Iron podcast as I have joined that team. You can go to the show notes and look up Men of Iron on all your podcast players if you choose to do so and be able to follow along. As a matter of fact, some of your favorite episodes are already being dropped on the Men of Iron podcast right now as this transition is happening between New Kind of Man podcast and then the Men of Iron podcast. I welcome you to join us over there and if you have been listening again to this podcast, I just want to say thank you. We're 70 episodes deep. We're going to continue this message. We're going to continue having great guests. And we're going to continue just mining uh, just all there is to, to learn and grow from so we can become better men. Well, today is uh, the podcast with Josh Katsadorian. Josh is a phenomenal guy. He's a coach. He's fired up. He and I got fired up together talking about uh, just our faith and that faith journey, and then also just the, the burden that we see within masculinity today. So this is a great one, gentlemen. I know that it is. If you want to follow up with this and you want to take notes, that's awesome. If you want to follow up and 
subscribe to the Men of Iron podcast. That would be awesome if you did that. Also, if you would like to leave a rating and review, and if you'd like the full show notes, you can go to beanewman.com slash podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Well, today on the show, we have Josh Kachadorian. Josh and I have been connected for a little while, and we've actually been trying to sync up to record this podcast and finally settled on a date in all of this. It's probably been a year in the making, actually, uh, or near about. So, Josh, we finally made the connect, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chad. I'm honored to be here. I love what you're doing. I love what the show's about. I binge, I binge listened a little bit before today. <laughs> And uh, the more I learn about the new man and everything you're doing, um, I love it, bro. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. And uh, it's always good to have good men in the listening audience, too. I know that, uh, that much of your writing, in particular, we'll talk about your book, The Standard, really is right up my alley. And what you talk about in that book is it's discovering Jesus as the standard of masculinity. So we're going to jump all into that. But I want people to get to know you a little bit better in case they don't know you. What um, what would help the listener to be able to understand you and who you are and your context and what you do? Oh, I appreciate that, Chad. So, um, you know, my faith journey, my background, I grew up, fortunately, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, so I was really privileged and honored just to grow up seeing a praying mom, you know, pray for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also wh why I am where I am today. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just, uh, that was just awesome growing up in a church that was pursuing the Lord. And of course, like everyone, when you grow up in a church like that, and you grow up in a culture and an environment where you have a strong sense of family and a strong sense of following the Lord from a young age, you do have your dips, right? You, you have a little bit of ups and downs. I would say it was really around my high school year, um, high school years where I really started digging in and really came into my own in, in terms of just really seeking the Lord for, you know, that personal encounter that radically changed my life. Because I honestly, I was scared to go to college. I, I saw so many people in youth group. I saw so many people in my circle or extended circle. They went to college and they lost their faith mm -hmm. because they didn't know how to stand up in that culture. And so I think that was one of the driving forces, but, um, you know, the Lord kept me, I walked close with Jesus. And then as I escalated from there, I became an entrepreneur. I started my own business. I had some doors open where I partnered with a family member and I was into the fitness game. So we sold fitness equipment, grew that store from one location to three locations, learned a lot, learned a lot about running a business, learned a lot about how not to run a business. Um, <laughs> Can't have one without the other, right? <laughs> they come together. It's a package deal. And um, just had, you know, just just was privileged with all the doors and the, the seasons that I went through in life. And I'll just, you know, speak to that real quick. Even when I was running this business, we weren't slammed every day. It's a very seasonal business when you sell fitness equipment, especially in the Northeast. It's busy in the winter and in the summer, it kind of slows down. And even those times I can look back at my journey and say, wow, what a blessing. I could sit in my shop and I could study. And I went really deep into you know, God's word. I, I was developing teachings. I was doing different things. So it's really interesting as you look back and you see the seasons you're in, um, how the Lord can use that. Now, I will also say um, I didn't always maximize those seasons. And I think some of your listeners will probably identify with that. We have a season of singleness. We may not go all in. Sometimes those are wasted years. Um, but I did get an opportunity and the Lord restored and I really maximized my time 
um, for a couple of years where I really dug in. And then, you know, just to keep going, that led to, uh, I met my wife, we were married in upstate New York, I was still doing the fitness business for about a year. And I was just praying for a new door to open, I was praying for something to change, you know, we had this sense of expectation over us as a couple. And um, I, I had always wanted to get into pharmaceutical sales, probably because my youth group leader was a pharmaceutical salesperson. I'm like, I want to be like him. And I loved what he did. So, uh, um, and he was just such a role model to me. So uh, we found ourselves, this is a wild story, um, but we found ourselves praying together one day. We're married, it's first year of marriage, Chad. Um, we're in our living room. We got this sense of expectation over our lives, but we're still in a place where it feels confined, right? Um, we're in our hometown. You know, we have our house. We're newly married. And we were crying out to the Lord one day and just saying, Lord, like, we'll go wherever you want us to go. Um, I remember verbatim saying, like, Lord, we'll go anywhere. Now, in the middle of that prayer, Chad, I'm not kidding you. Uh, there's no exaggeration on this. The phone rang. And I looked at my wife, wow. Rachel, I'm like, um, should I, should I get it? And she's like, yeah, I think you should get it. So I got the phone and I had just to, you know, put in this little bookmark here. I had reached out to my buddy, my old youth group leader. Who I haven't talked to in a few years at this point in time. And I just wanted to throw it out there. Hey, would I ever have a chance at getting back into corporate or getting into corporate, breaking into this industry that you're in? And, you know, I left him a voicemail, didn't hear anything for a few days. Fast forward, we're praying together, the phone rings, I pick it up, it's my friend Dan. And I said, hey, I just wanted to pick your brain. And he's like, well, hey, I'm a manager now and I have a spot open, um, it's in Brooklyn, why don't you come interview for it? And I was like, Brooklyn? I said, okay, let's let's pray about this and see where it goes. So, you know, the rest of the story is one, we decided to, we felt we had a green light spiritually and internally. We walked through that door and um, that brought me on the, you know, a wild journey um, in the corporate environment, which was new to me. And I've been in that for 15 years. I have multiple moves, started a family, have three children. And we ended up in Nazareth, Pennsylvania with a lot of stories from from that point to where we are now. But that's that's a brief journey of what the last 15 years has looked like. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't it amazing? You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is, it's just this, this phrase, embrace the stage you're in, you know, just kind of live in the moment that you're in. So many times I think, and I, I think you were kind of alluding to this, Josh, we kind of push away the season we're in thinking that the grass is greener on the other side. We just can't wait to get it on the other side. We can't wait till we get done with that degree plan. We can't wait till we have kids. We can't wait till we, whatever, fill in the blank, you know, dot, dot, dot. And, and I think that so much of what you're talking about there is just embracing the stage that we're in uh, and, and just kind of like taking it for what it is, learning what you're supposed to learn, growing as you're supposed to grow, and then just moving forward in, in the grace of Jesus in whatever that looks like. And it sounds like that's, that's what happened uh, for you. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, our life moves in seasons. Um, we, we progress in stages and levels of growth spiritually, um, as well as what we do, you know, with our skill sets and our natural talents as well. And I think the key is you have to maximize, Chad, when you're in that season to recognize what season you're in and know how to maximize and get everything out of it. And you're right. So many guys are, are desperate for the next thing. And, you know, a, a real simple thing that comes to mind here is if you talk to a single guy that wants to get married, you know, they can't wait to get married, but are you maximizing, like even for your single listeners right now, are you maximizing that season in your right season that you're in right now? Because you know, then there's marriage and there's a honeymoon season and there's 
learning to live with someone and that's awesome. And then come children and mm -hmm. it changes the game like in a crazy way. Right. So, you know, I know we're going to get into it, but I wrote a book while I married working a full time corporate gig with side projects, passion projects, other responsibilities and raising three children, being a husband and a father. And it was sounds easy. I, I don't know how I did it. When I look <laughs> back, I'm like, wow, this is wild. No, that that's really, really good. And, and, and you know, the the thing is, as far as writing, you know, I. I'm actually trying to write a book right now. So I, I feel all of that. And you're talking about the kids and the passion projects. I'm like, yes, check. That's my life. Check. That's my life. Check. That's my life. Like you did it. So that's encouraging to me to know that I can do it too. And just kind of uh, work away at that. One of the things I want to talk about with you is the idea of fitness before we even get into the book. I know that fitness is a big part of your life. And um, how did that come to be? Obviously you sold fitness equipment. So I'm assuming that wasn't the you know, that that wasn't the, the thing that, that really changed for you, probably been somebody who's into fitness before that. But um, so just talk about that. Talk about what is a, a fitness routine? What are your fitness goals? What kind of things have you done? And do you hope to pursue? Sure. Um, yeah, thanks for asking, Chad. So I mean, like most guys growing up, um, you know, I was looking at superheroes, you know, you want to be we have this image of masculinity, we have this image of what we want to be. And we're like, wow, I want to look like that. So other people might have been focused on their favorite sports heroes. I just started to get into bodybuilding and I wanted to look a certain way. And I could tell you all the bodybuilders. I could tell you who won the Mr. O, who was at the Arnold Classic. I could go through all that um, versus telling you the starting lineup for the Yankees, for, you know, for an example. Um, so as a young guy, that's what I wanted to do. I was very thin and I was looking for my identity. I was looking for, you know, that security that a lot of guys are looking for at a younger age. You know, I think I was behind most of my class. You know, if we went to gym class in seventh and eighth grade. Um, you know, we got on the Nautilus equipment and, you know, it was extremely stressful. You had to wait in line to see how much you could bench press. And the gym teacher was there with the clipboard. Oh, and I remember. Do you remember? <laughs> it was yeah. terrible, man. I, I do. And just the anxiety, you're standing there and you're like, oh my goodness. And everybody's watching you. You feel like you're being judged by every single person. I get it. Yeah. And it, it wasn't good for me. I mean, I was, I was always behind everybody else. When everyone was benching 80, I could only do 70. Mm. When the next year they were doing, doing 90, I was always 10 pounds behind. Um, so I got really serious about fitness and I started pursuing that. Um, I actually entered a bodybuilding contest my first year of college. It was a natural bodybuilding contest. And, um, you know, I remember even sitting at the dining room table. My brother was also in the bodybuilding. He was a little bit thicker than me, a little bit more built than I was. I was, I was always tall and a little bit on the thin side. And I remember sitting at the dining room table and even my dad's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you eating like that? Cause I was dieting down. And uh, I said, I'm going to do a show. And my brother's like, yeah, Josh is getting ready to do a show. And he's like, you're going to do a show. He's like, you're, he's like, you can do a show. He looked at my brother, but he looked at me. He's like, how are you going to do it? And, you know, that just gave me more fire to go for it. And, you know, in bodybuilding, it's illusion. They judge you based on, you know, your body fat percentage, your muscularity, your symmetry, proportion. And I ended up winning that show. And it was a huge wow. accomplishment. Um, you know, I made sure I showed my dad that trophy, too. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, hey, look what I had. And this is, yeah. this is not my brother who earned it. It was me. Right. Wow. Um, that's really cool. So you, that was early then. So that was, you said freshman year of college that you started to get into bodybuilding. 
Yeah, that was 20 years old is when I started getting into it. And then I never competed again, but I just fell in love with the sport of changing and evolving. And I think it really comes to a growth mindset. So there's certainly a side of bodybuilding. There's certainly a side, I don't consider myself a bodybuilder. Um, there's certainly a side of fitness that can be very unhealthy when someone's obsessed with it, right? And in that world, most of the guys, you'd be surprised, most of the guys that are really muscular that are walking around, they're, they're the most insecure people I've ever met. Um, which is kind of funny because we look at them and we think that that guy must have it, you know, going on and he's arrived and he looks the way that I want to look. And it's not really the case. It's a lot of a facade because like you said, nothing really makes you happy. So you're looking at the next thing. The grass is always greener. That mindset's I'll never be good enough. And fitness for me evolves and it's really about a lifestyle now. And there's really some principles. So here's how I can put it simply for your listeners and maybe some of your guys will identify with this. But for me, training's a metaphor for life. Yeah. It really is a metaphor for life. It's about embracing growth and embracing discomfort and um, putting myself in uncomfortable positions to really push myself. And I really liken it to what I see in the Bible. You know, I, I look at, you know, the, the metaphors that the apostle Paul uses. He, you know, he talks about multiple metaphors to his spiritual son, Timothy. And one of those is he pushes like an athlete and they had the backdrop of, you know, the, the Roman game. So there was running, there was, that's why he's in a race. There's fighting, there's wrestling, there's boxing. And there's something about that mental picture where he says, I'm striving, I'm pushing. And I think that right now in our present day, we don't have, as men, we don't have enough resistance in our lives. I agree. Right. And so we need to find places where we can stretch, stretch ourselves and push ourselves to get a little uncomfortable. So that's what I do in the gym. I'm not going through the motions. If I'm going to show up, I go, I go all in on it. There's days I don't feel like going like this morning. I really didn't want to be there, but I still do it. It develops discipline. Um, it's that growth mindset and just the whole picture of pushing hard. Um, the interval rest period, you know, taking your breath, resting, growth happens outside of the gym, um, watching your diet. The whole thing is really a metaphor for the way I live. Yeah, that's solid. I, I think there too, it's like the same principles um, looking at, I know one of the verses that informed your book was Luke 252. I read it in your book. And that's really what the work at A New Kind of Man is founded upon, that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. And what's beautiful about that verse is there's four different key elements there that I think all of those could be really developed in the same way that you're talking about, Josh. You're talking about finding that resistance, you know, putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and just the, a mindset of growth. I think we need a mindset of growth, my opinion anyway. I'll let you kind of jump in here in just a second. But I think we need a mindset of growth when we think about things into, or when we, when we process life intellectually, spiritually, physically, and relationally. I think for us, we will naturally seek the path of least resistance. That's, again, I think this is one of the cause and effects of sin being the cause. And the effect is, is our passivity and um, just finding the, finding the path of least resistance. So I think we need to find that resistance, good resistance, right? Not foolish resistance, but find good resistance to help us grow in these areas. How do you do that out, even outside of the gym? I mean, uh, obviously, you don't win that uh, that competition and then have, I don't know how old you are, but the level of fitness that you have. I've seen some of your pictures on IG. You're, you're a pretty ripped guy. So I know that you have that in the gym, but how do you incorporate these things as a family, uh, whether it's intellectual, relational, uh, physical, and spiritual? Yeah. Um, let, let's start with one of the things you said, which is really you know embracing growth, right? And if I look at 
um, what the Lord calls us to as men, what he calls all believers to. It's a process of growth. So, you know, right from the time of new birth, we come into the kingdom as a baby, mm-hmm. you know, and this is why we see Paul write, and we see the writers of Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews write, you know, I want to give you meat, but you're not ready. You're still mm-hmm. drinking milk. You know, you still haven't grown to where you're supposed to be. So we have this picture of, you know, what I'll call full stature faith, but talking about how wisdom, you know, Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor. Um, but we see this picture in Ephesians that we would all come into the full stature of what we're called and created to be. So that's a picture of growth right there. Mm -hmm. So it starts with spiritual growth. If I look at the message of Jesus, when he says, repent, now, a lot of listeners might hear that, and they automatically think of like a guy on the corner saying, repent, right? Turn from your sins. The bullhorn guy. Yeah, right? You know, wearing the sandwich board or something, and you know, you're going to go to hell. And they think of an outward, you know, level of holiness, and it kind of comes down to legalism. But yeah. really, if we look at the word repent, it really means to change your mindset. You know, and I see that's what Jesus does when he breaks into the scene and he starts walking on planet Earth and releasing this message of the kingdom. He's saying, change your mindset. And I see what he's doing. Is he's cultivating a hunger for growth within the people, saying you can't stay the same. You can't repent and stay the same. It's a process of growth. And that's why we see in the Bible, we go through levels. We start as babies, young children. We progress to young men. We progress to, you know, older men and eventually fathers. And that's the pattern of growth. So I want to take that back from the personal growth industry who's stolen many things from the Bible Mm -hmm. and has just ripped Jesus out of it. And they don't give credit to where it comes from. But this whole growth mindset starts with what we see Jesus bring in as he steps onto the scene. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that too, because at the end of the day, I believe just as your book implies that Jesus is a standard of manliness and masculinity. So for us, we need to kind of recapture those scriptural truths and also those ideals. And for us, and and really what's helpful about, to me anyway, what's helpful about that message is it's okay. If we, we understand that we're babies and then just as you know, babies and then adolescents and then going into maturity. If you understand it in that realm, it also gives guys like a clear kind of picture. It's like, okay, what, you know, what, what does a baby do? What is, what does a child in adolescence do or somebody who's in adolescence and then maturity in our adulthood and look for specific things. I think as guys need specific things to kind of nail down so they know, Hey, I'm doing the right thing because Shame is a really, really big problem with guys. We want to do things that we that we feel and we know that we can succeed in. Don't you agree? Totally agree. I mean, I think men are wired to build, right? We're wired to work. Um, so we can easily default into a works mindset mm-hmm. where we start doing all the stuff and we think more busyness. And, and you know, even as a pastor, a lot of pastors fall into this and we run programs and the church becomes bigger and we do all these things and we kind of leave that first place of just resting as a son. So that's the first place I start is identity to know who I am, um, what I'm called to be first and how I engage with my father and growth should be a natural progression from there. But yeah, it's very easy for us as guys, um, especially as we, we live in the comparison culture now too, you mentioned IG and social media and, you know, I've been a little bit absent from there for a little bit. I got to jump back in, but there's so much there, so many distractions. There's so much comparison with our, which are pulling guys into this place of just thinking they need to do more, do more, always do something or, they go into despair and they, they feel bad about where they are in their station of life. And it kind of goes back to embracing that season that you're in. 
and being able to discern and see the Lord's hand on your life and really asking that question, what, where am I and what do you want me to be in this season, Lord? Like, who am I becoming? Who are you calling me to be where I am right now? That's a good word. In your book, The Standard, you you make all sorts of great references. This is something I've, I've read a bunch of books, and I've never seen this specifically. So kudos to you about this, Josh. I love how you break down after you you talk about one of the, the aspects of Jesus's life, and you break down there's six different key principles that you unpack. But what you do is you add like this little coaching corner after every one of those things, which which to me was really helpful. And going through those and reading through those, I was like, you know, again, it's like a clear action plan for a guy. So it's not obscure. It's, it's you know, very concrete, specific things that guys can, um, can do while they're trying to emulate what Jesus did. So uh, you talk about, you know, about coaching and throughout your book, like I mentioned, but so how does, how did Jesus embody a good coach? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, thanks for noticing that, Chad. Um, you know, I've been in a coaching culture for the last 15 years as I've been in corporate. So a lot of what you're seeing in this book, obviously, it's written from my perspective, from my lens. And what you see is um, the experience that I've had. I've been coaching teams and leading sales teams. I've been getting coached myself. And when I wrote this book and I sat down and I started looking at the Gospels in a new lens, I started seeing different things from my journey in the life of Jesus. And I'm like, wow, Jesus is an incredible coach. So I think the answer to your question, let's first start with what is coaching. Mm -hmm. And when I think about a coach, a coach is not an advice giver. A coach just doesn't give you the answer. You know, it's a temptation for all people that engage in any level of coaching, whether it's business, personal life coaching, business coaching, there's a temptation to always just provide the answer and give the solution. It makes you feel good about yourself. Like, hey, listen, look what I can do. I'll mm -hmm. tell you exactly what to do. I feel like a hero. You got the answer you wanted. Um, but it doesn't really help that person grow. And going back to this growth, right? Spiritual growth, the mindset of growth that Jesus is developing in his crew. Um, we see him challenge and ask questions. So one of the hallmarks of a coach, there's so many, but one of the tactical hallmarks that a coach does is they ask very good questions. Questions that cause you to think. And we know Jesus asked a lot of questions and he didn't answer as many as he asked. Mm -hmm. And so when he's asking questions, he's making his guys think to come to the conclusion. Of course he knows the answer, but he doesn't jump in and save them. And he lets them, he, he works through this process where he challenges. Another hallmark of a coach is they challenge you, right? They, they get you out of your comfort zone. So there's one you know, chapter, and these are small chapters in the book where you could use it as a devotional if you want to. A lot of guys tell me they use it that way. But I have this one chapter um, called Jesus is a Coach. And I take one example, and it's the feeding of the 5,000. And when I look at what he does and the way he engages with his guys, it's a perfect example of the way Jesus coaches. You know, they come and say, hey, we don't have anything. What are we going to do? They want Jesus to give them the answer and he won't give it to them. And then he's like, you feed them, right? You give them something to eat. That's something a coach would say. Mm -hmm. And then they have to go through this mirror. They have to go through this encounter with him. And what I love about that miracle is when we trace it back and you really look at it, Jesus is the source of the miracle. He's the one tearing the bread, handing out the fish, and they're getting it. They're acting in faith and they have to step out and they have to really engage in this to see this miracle come to pass. But they received coaching. They were obedient. 
but Jesus is the source of what's happening there. So um, he coaches us, he stretches us, he challenges us, but we don't have to do it on our own. And that's the great thing about, you know, walking with Jesus, walking with our Lord is that he's there and he is the source of everything he calls us to do. So if he calls us to do something, he equips us. He never sends anyone out without giving them the equipping and the resources they need before he sends them out. Yeah, that's a good word. You know, it's it's really interesting once you actually look at at the life of Jesus through that that lens, as you said, because you see that Jesus was an amazing coach. And and I think that your uh, success or failure as a coach really is in the student or the pupil, whoever it is that you're coaching, and look at the fulfillment of Jesus's coaching through, you know, through the disciples. And and we wouldn't be where we are. We wouldn't have the message that we have. We wouldn't have the Bible that we have. We wouldn't have anything that we have if they wouldn't have been successful in taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the world. I mean, ultimately, we are the ends of the world. From what they were considering, they probably didn't even dream that, that this would be a possibility. Of course, we know this uh, through the sovereignty of God, for sure. Right. So I think that's, that's amazing. And that Jesus showed the qualities of a coach. And, you know, guys, if you're out there listening and maybe you're, you're new to the faith or maybe you're just trying to explore the faith uh, or just kind of curious, or maybe you just landed on this podcast, you're like, new kind of man, what does this mean? You know, what is this about? Here's what I would recommend that you do. If you're brand new to all this and you're just trying to figure some stuff out, maybe you're even confused as a guy, go into the Bible, into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is my recommendation. Go and read the, the aspects about the life of Jesus and ask yourself the question, wouldn't those, those, those attributes also benefit your life? And as you go through and you read the Gospels and you look at Jesus's life, he, he becomes or he is to be the prototype for a complete and integral man. So uh, listeners, as you're, as you're listening to this, that's what I recommend. Go into those into those biographies of Jesus and just to just whet your appetite, let your curiosity run, look at Jesus and allow his life to then coach you to the life that he has on offer. In in the book, Josh, you talk about uh, Jesus being the prototype. Uh, why did you say that? So. Let's let's back up a second, Chad, and talk about for a minute when we when we talk about manhood in Christian circles, right? We talk about biblical manhood. It's very common to see us talk about other Bible characters. I think probably because we can relate to them, right? We can talk about King David. He had a fall. He deals with the same struggles we deal with. We can look at the life of Solomon, some of the mistakes he made. And there's something about a comfort of looking at those examples, and they're great examples, and they're there for us to learn, and they are living examples for us to glean from. Um, but when I think about God's plan for man, and I look about, you know, I look at since the New Testament, since the Old Testament, since Genesis, you know, God has been looking for a man. He's been looking for his level of a man, a new kind of a man, Chad, mm -hmm. right? He's been looking for that ever since the beginning, and then we had a fall. And he had to come and restore and bring back everything that was lost. And the answer is Jesus. So we see this Greek word, protokonos, which really means prototype. So the word calls him a prototype of a new kind of man, mm -hmm. a prototype of perfected manhood of what we're called to walk in. So Jesus said to his disciples, you know, you're going to do greater things than I do. He talked, you know, it wasn't from a distance. And what I find currently 
actually one of the things that that really urged me to write this book um, I was in a men's group at one point in time and I was at a table and I could just, you know, in the table discussion, I saw a lot of guys with their heads down and they were just like, Hey, you know, they were just beat up. And it wasn't this picture of an overcomer that I know mm -hmm. the Lord calls us to be, you know, that's who we're called to be. Um, a man that can take on challenges, a man that can step into his call. That's not, you know, wavering in who he is, that knows his identity and can run after the prize. And I wasn't getting that at this table. I was seeing, you know, guys that were dejected, that were kind of down. And they're like, well, you know, we're not Jesus. Let's just keep trying. Let's just keep working on it. And, you know, that's not the life Jesus calls us to. When I, so when I talk about prototype, he's a model. He's perfected manhood that he's called us to be and walk in. And he's the firstborn. So we talked about that. He grew in wisdom and stature. You know, the Bible would talk about he's the, um, he's the last Adam where the first Adam failed, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and he's the second man. So he's this new kind of man, just like the name of this show, that steps onto the scene and models and becomes a prototype of what we are to become and follow as we submit to his ways and we're shaped and conformed into his image. Yeah, that is... Well said, as a matter of fact, explaining the movement that I have here called the New Kind of Man. And that was a not just a beautiful segue. I mean, that's just true. That is ultimately why I do what I do and why I use Jesus as the template, because he is the only perfect template, right? Prototype. The, uh, uh, he, is, he is the one that we can look at without fail because he was without fail. And every other image is, is faulty in one way or the other, except... Jesus as being the, the perfect icon or image of God himself. So that's, that's a good word. Hey, within your book, you, you basically break your book down into six different books as, as yeah. how you, you termed it. And in there, you talked about self-mastery. There's six and, you know, self-mastery and leadership, and we'll get to uh, maybe all of them or some of them anyway. But you talk about self-mastery. And, and of course, this is a, a buzz phrase right now, self-mastery. People talk about that. What's the difference between maybe how the world defines self-mastery and how you're trying to define self-mastery? Yeah, great question. So uh, I'll start with my thesis here is that every man's created to be a leader, but not all men lead. Mm -hmm. so, so guys that are listening to this, um, you're created to be a leader. That's your mandate from Genesis chapter one through three. We see that very clearly of what we're called to be, who we're called to be, and what we're called to walk in, shaping and having an impact on our world, our sphere of influence, where we find ourselves. And you're right, Chad, self-mastery is incredibly popular as a buzz phrase right now. Um, there's a huge movement around productivity, which is awesome. You know, there's a movement around forming habits and, you know, using your willpower. And I think one of the strongest forces in the earth right now is the human will. Right. Mm. When a man puts his mind to something, he can really go after it. And we actually see this in Genesis with, uh, you know, the Tower of Babel. Right. Those guys got united. They're like, we're going to do this thing and we can do it. And so right now that that exists, that human will that is in full force. And so the difference for me, when I look at self-mastery from a world's perspective, the world's perspective says define your goal, you know, use discipline, build your habits, be super productive you know, and master yourself and go do the thing that you want to do. Mm -hmm. And the difference of what I see for a man that's a believer, that's walking under the government of God, the kingdom of God as a Christian, um, we don't live for ourselves. 
That's the main difference is that I can't, I don't have a license to just do whatever I want to do, even if it's a good thing. You know, one of the scariest things probably is if we look at um, what Paul says, I believe it's the church in Corinth, but he talks about a day's coming where all our, our works will be tested. And he talks about two sets of building materials. You know, one set is, you know, gold and silver and precious stones, things that represent spiritual substance of something that God builds with and that man can cooperate and partner with. And the other set was wood, hay, and stubble. Hmm. And, you know, you can build with wood, right, Chad? Yep, absolutely. You can build good structures. You know, you could build something for yourself that you were not necessarily called to build. And I think we should be a little bit scared of the consequence of that, right? Who wants to stay there on that day and say, I spent my life mastering myself to go after this thing, and it ended up being the wrong thing? So to me, self-mastery starts with being submitted to the Father and uncovering his will for your life and then walking that out. And of course, we use and we employ discipline. We employ self-mastery. I'm not putting those things down. I actually highlight them in the life of Jesus, um, you know, as he lived, you know, two thirds of his life out of the public eye doing the mundane stuff that we do every day, you know, showing up. I'm sure he didn't feel like showing up every day. He had to deal with customer service issues. He might've had that problem customer, um, but he was developing discipline. He was mastering himself and preparing himself in that season, um, getting ready to step into the fullness of his assignment. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's one of the, the great challenges that I have, even when uh, followers of Jesus, they, they use the term self-mastery and you clearly defined it in the way that I do, honestly, I think that the first step to self-mastery has to be submission to God, you know, and that's what we can read in James four as well. It's like, we need to submit to God. And the only way that we can resist the temptation of the evil one is by first submitting to God to, to give God our all. And then, so even the term self-mastery, it is a little bit plagued with, you know, with some with some mixed motives, but I think that you clarified it pretty well by saying, first, we need to make sure that we're submitted to God. Therefore, we can trust our, our motivations. Because ultimately, when it comes to down to self-mastery, um, it, it's it's an excellent thing for us to have. And what you alluded to earlier, Josh, was was this word that I use often. It's the word agency or willpower, that God has given us ability to do things, to act and and of course, male and female, we all have this, this ability to have the willpower and to act. But one of the things specific to masculinity is just this, this power to initiate or to do. Um, and ladies have it too, but I think that they have a lesser form because they're more on the receiving end, just in the way that God has wired them. But for us, it's to be initiators. So part of that self-mastery piece after submitting to God is being initiators of our own growth. Instead of just saying what is so cliche and it just makes my blood boil when people just say things like, well, just let go and let God. Right. Like that never helped anyone. As a matter right. of fact, that only confused people. And then it leaves, it'll leave a man to despair because if he has a porn addiction, if he's struggling in his marriage, if he's struggling with his health or he's struggling with his finances, it just let go and let God. And then he's like, well, what do I do with what do I do with my my urges, which right. I mean, we can go into brain science and talk about willpower actually is broken down into three different things in the, the prefrontal cortex of every person. There's I will power, I want power, and and I and it's it's like an I need aspect to willpower. So to deny 
the, the very agency that man has is to deny a very core part of him and to deny why God or how God wired him. Do you agree with that? Oh, you're speaking my language. Chad, I just recorded a podcast myself and I, I got into this exact thing. I think it's one of the biggest lies that's holding men back. And we need to be really careful so people don't hear what we're not saying and they hear what we're saying because we're talking about the sovereignty of God. Mm -hmm. And there's this mindset that says, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, right? right? So if I'm supposed to do a thing for the Lord or you have a call on your life or you have this desire, but you don't pursue, you don't step forward in it, um, you know, you're, you're waiting for just the door to open the phone call. Then hey, I know I gave the reference, the story of the phone call, but it doesn't always happen that way. I still had to obey right when the phone rings, yeah. but the phone won't always ring. Sometimes you have to make a move first and you have to do something to initiate. So I love the message. And um, that is a lie that we need clarification on. And I think what we're not saying is we're not saying you have to work for your salvation. You know, we yes. receive salvation by grace. And that's how we're born into the kingdom. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. Mm -hmm. However, after salvation, this is super important for everyone to understand, because then we flip into the Lord evaluating our works and watching what we do with the mm -hmm. gifts that we have. And if you want to know more about this, just look at the first few chapters and the letters to the churches in Revelation right? I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. And yeah. he gives an evaluation as a businessman watching and looking and keeping track of what they did and what they didn't do. So it definitely, um, we have to watch that after we're born into the kingdom. Uh, there is this initiation. There is this exercise of our will. Hmm. Yeah. And that to me is, is right up my alley too, because for us, you know, to, we don't earn our salvation. And that's what I, that's one of the things I was thinking of earlier. It's like, I, and I'm glad you clarified. It isn't a matter of us. Like when we talk about spiritual growth or even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God, spiritual growth and in favor with man, it isn't a matter of us just doing all these things ourselves. The best thing that we can do is submit to God. And then God completes those things in us through the power of his spirit. It's, it's a matter of spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. and it's allowing those spiritual disciplines to reform us to the firstborn of all creation of what you talked about, um, of Jesus being the prototype of man. So for us, it's connecting to Jesus first, and then in, we can only do that through salvation. And then he completes in us what is lacking. It isn't us earning anything because salvation cannot be earned. Right, right. I think about it this way, you know, we're both fathers. We both have sons, right? So we're, we're sons ourselves. We're sons ourselves of of god father god and as a son there's this thing about obedience right as we raise our sons we see it we love our sons we love our family um we're not looking to get them you know catching them doing stuff wrong but when they do there's obedience there's discipline there's things that we go through as we progress them into manhood and it's similar in our walk with the lord we, we come from sonship first so we know our identity we know who our father is and we know where we stand so before any title before ministry before calling we're first rooted as sons that's our first call and from there it's really walking out that journey is what you're saying is learning discipline. And, you know, going back to Luke 2.52, you know, Jesus, it says in Hebrews, he learned obedience as a son. He was a submitted son to his father. You know, if we saw him, we saw the father. That's what he said. So it's a reflection 
of God's will for his life. So that's another, we have to take all of it, right? You can't just pick and choose what we take from Jesus. So we have to look at his obedience. It wasn't just all about, let me get my breakthrough. Let me come into my abundance. Hmm. You know, the future for Jesus was the cross. The future for us will be the cross, Hmm. not a physical cross, but that internal spiritual cross that we have to pick up as he conforms us and he shapes us into the man that we're called to be. And a beautiful part about that is the cross, you know, talking about the metaphor, metaphorically, not the literal cross that Jesus endured, but the cross that we will endure. It's a death to self. But ultimately, this is the this is the quest for every man. Every man, every man has a false self. They have this a true self that can, in my estimation, as being a man of God, can only be found through Jesus and the Holy Spirit reveals to us our true self, what it means to truly be human. Because Jesus was the perfect human. So the only way that we can be like Jesus is through the power of of the Spirit of God in our lives. Of course, I know that you agree with that too, Josh, being a man of faith. But I think one of the challenges there too is as we're pursuing this man that that God wants us to be, I think that for us, the, the, the tendency is to stop short. It's just to stop short of, of who it is that God wants us to be, this this. Uh, into stopping short of the fullness and then resting in this false self. I think every man, ha- well, I know every man has a false self and we have to die to ourself, that fallen part of ourself. Let the, let the good attributes, the, the attributes of ours that are, uh, that, are, that are beautifully displaying the image of God, those things carry out because that's our true self. And yet, so it isn't just dismissing every part of us it's dismissing the fallen part of us. It's right. dying to that version of ourself so that our true and best self can can rise. Right. Yeah, it's the, you know, we we can say it this way. There's the work of the cross and there's the way of the cross. And we're describing, yeah. and what you just described is the way of the cross. And it's the path of a disciple. If we even look at the root word of being a disciple of Jesus is discipline. Yeah. And there's a process in the Bible that is unfolded before us called the process of sanctification. And it's really us coming into right order. It's our spirit governing over our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. That, And they change and they get shaped and they reflect the glory of God. But hmm. as ourselves, you're right, like what you're explaining there, um, we all have natural cravings. We all have this lower you know, this lower pull on us. And we're also, let's acknowledge we have an enemy in the fight too, right? So we have, we have ourselves, we have the natural cravings of our self-life, our flesh, and we also have an adversary that we're told to not be ignorant of, Mm -hmm. who's always there at the next, right at the precise moment, we're about to step into something new or do something, um, we can see a temptation or we can see this attack on our identity. Um, Jesus had it at specific. I mean, think about, we uncover this in the book, but think about the two times the enemy literally showed up, right? He was at his weakest. He was at his weakest moment, um, nutritionally deprived, fasted state, and the enemy shows up right then. And then it says the enemy left him when Jesus overcame. And he said he came back at a more opportune time. So he visits Jesus at the lowest times of his life. Gethsemane, his friends left him. He's like, can't you guys, can't you even stay with me for an hour? Can't This is the moment. I need help. I need some support. Like three years of friendship. And these guys run away. And, um, you know, it's that time when the enemy shows up too. So we can't be ignorant of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what you're talking about, the, the 
the way of Jesus and the walk of Jesus, I think is how you the term it. The way of the cross. The way of the cross, excuse me. Is uh, that's when you're talking about the the principle in your book of love, of just how Jesus displayed the greatest love, agape love, the highest form of love by dying on the cross for sinners. I mean, that's just a, that's an incredible thing that you're, uh, we don't really have time. We could spend hours talking about the, the beauty of that and the necessity of that for every man. So now we've, we've kind of touched on a couple of different principles and let's talk about the leadership right. principles that you talked about with Jesus. And we kind of touched on this a couple of minutes ago, and I know that we're, we're bumping up against time, but I thought we'd spend the rest of our time talking about leadership and I'm not gonna be able to talk about communication. Uh, it's in, in the other one that I would like to, but as we talk about leadership, what about Jesus's leadership stood out to you? You know, Jesus, we, we have to understand to really see what, what is illuminated for us in the life of Jesus and the way he leads us, we have to understand the culture because we're reading an Eastern book with a Western mind. We're reading it, you know, in the year 2021, and it happened, you know, over 2000 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so to understand leadership, to understand a kingdom that he was under the Roman empire, to understand what leadership and how it was viewed it's really important to see how that is viewed in the context of the day. So we see this, you know, we would see palaces, we would see Roman guards, we would see kings, we would see governors, and they rule with a heavy hand. You know, there was no John Maxwell movement, there was no <laughs> leadership self-development section, there was nothing like that. All they knew was a kingdom, they knew a king, and they were subjects, and they were under the rule of Rome, and then on top of that, they saw the Sanhedrin, they saw the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they saw this governmental complex, you know, over their culture as, as Israelites. So um, knowing that, what Jesus truly does is revolutionary when we look at the way he leads, because he breaks on the scene and he, he exhibits this new form of leadership never seen before. Mm. It's called servant leadership. And I know it's a catchphrase now. There's been a lot of books on it. You know, I touch on it. I'm certainly not the only one to bring this out, but hopefully I'm bringing out some different attribute, attributes that were unseen or unrecognized before. But, you know, he knows he's about, let's just fast forward to this scene. You know, his whole life is it's leading by service. It's giving you know, his kingdom can be called the upside down kingdom, right? It's backwards. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. So it wasn't about the title. It wasn't about the status, which appeals to our flesh, Chad. As men, we want the title. We want the stuff. We want the thing that gives us that security, this false sense of status. And in addition, we're bombarded by marketing constantly that tells us if we have this thing, we will finally arrive, right? And Jesus, he just goes against the whole trend of the world and everything that men crave um, within that soul nature and within that fallen nature that we have. And here it is, you know, 24 hours or so before he's about to be nailed on the cross and he's washing their feet. The last act that he really has, this last meal and the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings who left heaven and walked on earth as a man, gets on his feet um, and he rubs the dirt and he, he just, he washes, he washes their feet. It's amazing. It's just such humility and such a show of if you want to go up in this kingdom, the way is to go low. Mm. And he just flips what we view leadership as, especially in the context of that century. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you were talking, Josh, I, I was reminded of the typical kind of leadership 
what people think is the leadership pyramid, that the leaders on top and all the subordinates are underneath to kind of prop up the leader. Servant leadership is flipping that all the way around where the leader is actually at the bottom and then trying to use their, his or her energy to help push or elevate the people that positionally are lower than them, but they recognize that as leader that their goal is not to prop themselves up, but to make others succeed. And in essence, that's what Jesus did. I mean, everything about his life was was to set up this. He would talk about the kingdom. He was living out the kingdom. You know, then later on, the Holy Spirit would come to help uh, inspire people to actually live the kingdom principle because they couldn't do it without the Spirit. And the same thing for us, you know, and the Apostle Paul, the principles and unpacking all the challenges that they had within the within the early church it all kind of taking this this idea of servant leadership and just uh, really in the rest of the new testament is just unpacking what jesus he modeled himself this right. idea of servant leadership yeah and let, let's make this real for the guys that are listening because maybe you don't lead a team you know maybe you're not a leader right now you know i've been privileged where i've i've been put in formal leadership positions but you can exhibit leadership where you are right now. You don't need a title to be a leader. You can lead where you are. And I think this is part of the principle of growth, Chad. It's part of the principle of maturity is that we're called to steward this sphere of influence that we find ourselves in. You know, So how can you lead yourself? How can you lead your family? How can you lead your world? And how can you store that? And as we do, um, that sphere of influence gets bigger. That's what I believe. We get more responsibility, the better we handle what God has placed in our hand where we are right now. So ask yourself this, guys, anyone listening to this, um, ask yourself, what can you do today? Make it practical of what are you going to do after you listen to this show um, to start exhibiting leadership where you are? That's the leadership challenge that I want to issue. And Chad, I know you would support that for mm -hmm. how can we become better leaders? What's it look like? And I think the first thing is looking introspectively. Let's look in the mirror and let's raise the standard. Yeah, I love it. And your book talks about that as per the title, the standard that Jesus is the standard. I think all of us need to sit under the uh, the, the teachings of the Gospels, particularly studying again, just in depth, the, the life of Jesus, him being the prototype, him being the standard. And I think when we would do it and submit to God, we will be better for it. And ultimately, the world will be better for it. So uh, the mission at A New Kind of Man is is to glorify God in all things and also to bring good into the world. And I know that your work and really your heart and your message is just that. So Josh, as we are now, we're closing up uh, the show for today, closing out the recording. Um, what are some last words that you would like to say to the audience and how could the audience connect with you? And maybe they, they want to follow up from this. They're inspired. You kind of pumped them up. How do they connect with you outside of this podcast? Yeah, I appreciate it, Chad. So here's my here's my final message for guys listening. You know, the whole purpose of this book, the book's called The Standard, Discovering Jesus is the Standard for Masculinity. Um, so the purpose of the book, the reason why I wrote it is I wanted to present the real Jesus in a relevant way that's non-religious. So what you're going to find is we're going to look at his life as the son of man. He was 100% God and 100% man. He was tempted in every single way that we are. Think about that, guys. Every single thing that you've gone through, Jesus can identify with, and he overcame, and he becomes the standard for us. 
Um, the book is, it's not small, it's 300 plus pages or so, or just about that, but you can read it in very, it's small chapters. So it, it gives you that great sense of accomplishment when you read just a couple pages, you're like, yes, I got a chapter done. A lot of guys are telling me they're using it as a devotional. Um, you can get the book on Amazon. Um, we have the Audible coming out very shortly. It's also on Kindle, but if you want the hard copy, um, there's some great images, some awesome artwork in it. And I really tried to make something that you would want to keep on your shelf and not give to your friend, um, something that you want to keep and you can really uh, get into it and use it as you feel led to and as you need to, going to whatever attribute that Jesus exhibits for that time you find yourself in right now. Um, in terms of connecting with me, um, my website is standard59.com. That's standard59.com. I got some free stuff I'd love to give you if you're interested in this and you're not ready to buy the book right now, or you want to buy the book, you can get it through the website, um, or I'll give you a free chapter. We'd love to give that to you and let you get into it a little bit more. And that's standard59.com. On social, you can find me at Kingdom Athlete. And Chad, it's been an honor to be here. I love the work you're doing. Um, just really a privilege. And what an awesome discussion to talk about Jesus masculinity and manhood for all the guys that are listening. Yeah, I totally agree. It's been my pleasure uh, just having you on the show today, Josh. I think we really inspired some guys. I'm, I'm, I'm walking away inspired. So uh, I've appreciated this conversation and, and, and that, uh, and, and to that, I just want to say thanks for your time and your contribution. Thank you for taking the time to uh, write the book and inspire guys. And I know that many more guys are going to be inspired by listening to this and by reading it. Awesome. Thank you, Chad. Thanks for listening to the New Kind of Man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement, and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend, and please leave us a review. Also, consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create. Act. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.